0: users who can handle the truth and now here's your host gene steinberg
1: this week on the tech night out live we'll be featuring the mac world itunes guy himself nobody else kirk McElhern, and also brian chaffin from the mac observer all this and more on the tech night out live Kirk, welcome back. It's been a couple of weeks. You've been busy, a busy beef over there in the UK. How's your internet working?
0: Well, we talked about the satellite and all that. And I don't recall if last time we talked, um, I had been having some problems with the satellite and the company offered to change me to a different satellite. Yes, did I tell you that, story? that. Yeah. Okay, well, they did change and it's an awful lot better. I don't get these slow speeds in the evening. Um, I can easily get 15 megabits during the day. In the evening, I can get six or eight, which is, it's not fiber, but it's the best I'm going to get. And it's certainly a lot better than what I was getting before. So I'm pretty happy. Yeah.
1: What can you say? You're still limited to what, 50? 50, 50 gigs. But 50 gigs no, of bandwidth, then? after which you pay all sorts of horrendous fees, you get cut no, off. No,
0: after which they just throttle you. You, ah. you could buy a sort of recharge if you want. But the idea is that basically they throttle you. Remember, I have a two megabit DSL connection. And Actually, I find I use that more and more because the latency on the satellite is annoying when you're loading web pages. So as long as I don't need to do anything that's high bandwidth, and I mean by high bandwidth more than a megabyte, um, then I'll just use the DSL. And I switch to the satellite when I've got things to download like app updates, music I've bought, things like that. But in addition to that 50 gigs, I've got unlimited from 12 midnight to 6 a.m., so I just set up a download manager to start at 12 midnight and I do my bigger down most of my bigger downloads then.
1: All right, some of our listeners are going to be glazed-eyed here. They're going to say, "What is a download manager?" So pray tell, Well, a
0: download manager is something that you use to store a link that you're going to download. And either you'll use it to download right away. Safari has a sort of download manager. It used to be a separate window, and now it's that little button that you click, you get that pop-up menu. You can't really manage it in any way. A, A real download manager lets you do things like pause and restart downloads, set them to start at a certain time. Set your bandwidth, how much you're going to use. So if you're downloading a lot and you still want to be able to use the web or send email, you don't want your downloads to be taking up all your bandwidth. So a download manager is a way to download large files or lots of files. So let's say you got 50 files to download. You drag all the links into your download manager, and you tell it to download one at a time or three or five or whatever. If you try and do that in Safari, you click all these links, and it just takes forever, and it gets confused. It slows down everything. All
1: right, what download manager are you using? Where do you find it?
0: Um, I use Leech, which is by Minitrix Software. Uh, It's my friend Rob Griffiths who runs that company. Uh Leech is a very small, simple tool. While it doesn't have a scheduling feature, when I got my satellite internet, I asked Rob, is there any way we can set this up? He wrote me two Apple scripts. Um, Leech has a facility where you can queue downloads and not start them. So one of the Apple scripts will start the queue, and the other one will stop the queue. So when I've got something to download, I set a reminder in my calendar. I tell the calendar to launch an Apple script at the time of that reminder. I pick the Apple, strip that, Apple script that launches Leech's queue. Well, that's a tough one, launches leech's queue.
1: That's a good tongue twister. You know, I have a sheet here. Let me dig it up as I'm talking to you. It's called 7... You see, it's real paper. It's not digital. Seven classic tongue twisters we still find impossible to say. So after you mention this, we'll just refer to those and get to <laughs> our other topics. Go ahead. Okay.
0: So anyway, with these two Apple scripts, I can start and stop the downloads and leech so I don't go over my, uh, into my periods when I don't have unlimited bandwidth.
1: All right. So, of course, we know about she sells seashells down by the seashore. She if- does, doesn't she? Yes, she does. But if you say that five times fast...
0: I won't even try. I'll be embarrassed.
1: Another one. Susie's sister sewed socks for soldiers.
0: Susie's sister sewed socks for soldiers. Red leather, yellow leather. I never heard that one, red leather, yellow leather, but I remember rubber rubber baby buggy bumper.
1: And the last one, this one you have to say carefully because you could make it seem as if you're violating one of those seven deadly words. I slit a sheet. A sheet I I slit, upon the slitted sheet I sit. As you see, if you distort that, you get
0: get into... I slit a sheet, a sheet I slit, upon the slitted sheet I sit.
1: See, you could do it. This way, maybe you'll be worth getting a job in radio. But seriously, you did change the mic. Your voice sounds a little bit different today. I see a different character in your voice, subtle. What did you do?
0: Uh, I... I I had always used uh, Plantronics headset when I was doing podcasts with you. It's the headset that Dragon, uh, that Nuance gives with Dragon Dictate. When you buy Dragon Dictate, which is a speech recognition app, it gives you a headset that they've approved because speech recognition requires noise cancellation. So your voice doesn't get overwhelmed by ambient noise. Um, I have another mic. It's called the USB 9-in-1 Table Mic. It's by a Belgian company called Speechware and it sits flat on my desk it's got a long extendable boom with two goosenecks in it and I originally got this a few years ago to review for Macworld it was the best mic that I reviewed for speech recognition it has the best sound quality which in- enhances the accuracy of Dragon dictate and I pulled it out because I was just tired of using that headphone and particularly having the wires connecting me to, to my computer when I dictate, I'll either I I do dictate a lot for my writing, and I'll either use this mic or I'll use uh, a wireless headset. And, and I'm actually in the process of reviewing a few wireless headsets that work with Dragon Dictate for MacWorld. Um, I'll have that done in a couple of weeks, and we can talk on a later show about them if you're interested.
1: Well, I have an external analog mixer. When I bought, I think about eight or nine years ago, it's a Yamaha, and I use either of two mics. One is the Blue Yeti Pro, and the Yeti Pro is a mic that works with USB or using a standard mic connector on a mixer. The other mic I use is one of these workhorses that politicians use, singers use, I use in the studio. It's the Shure SM58, which is tailored for voice. It's not so good maybe... In recording musical instruments, which you use the Shure SM57, but the SM58's like $100. It's a dynamic mic. It's basically, they say it's almost bulletproof, though I haven't shot it with a gun to determine
0: Well, that. yeah, you should, you should maybe try that one. Take it out back and shoot it.
1: If I had a gun, I'm not one of those people. I live in Arizona where people have guns. I am not among them. I don't know whether I sound better with this mic than the one from Blue. But as I said, it's a very popular mic. It's been around for, what, 30, 40 years. It's not expensive. And it's good, but you still need the external mixer. So there you go. Okay.
0: And, and you're doing it with an analog mixer. So you've okay. got cables plugged into the mixer, and you've got little sliders or dials. Which is it?
1: I use the sliders. It's easier to cut the gain.
0: Right. Okay. So you're really old school here.
1: Well, that's traditional recording studio stuff. So yeah. slider, they use sliders very much so in the recording studio because there's more precision going up and down than turning a dial.
0: Yeah, but even the fact that you're using analog instead of digital, that makes you old school.
1: Well, I'm very old.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, been per- many years since I,
1: it's been many years since I went to school. Therefore, I am old school.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. Personally, I can understand the desire to use an analog mixer because... When you're moving a dial with your fingers, whether it's a a slider or a pot, you can feel it move and you build up the muscle memory that you feel the differences as you move it. When you're doing this on a computer with a mouse or a trackpad, you don't have that feedback that gives you the actual feeling.
1: That's good. I'll write that down and include it in my blog next week. Okay. No, I think you summarize it very well. It feels really good. It's also a very reliable product. Yamaha makes great audio equipment. Of course, they make synthesizers and everything. I used to have a Yamaha keyboard years ago, but we'll get into that in another year or so. We have Kirk McElhern. He has a site called Kirkville at McElhern.com. And also, he's the iTunes guy for Macworld. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs>
3: Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116.
5: limited number of free programs available call now 1-888-912-1595 1-888-912-1595 that's 1-888-912-1595 1-888-912-1595 springtime is save big time at herbal healer academy long-term customers know spring is the time to stock up at herbalhealer.com And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for spring specials, including our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like Apple Cider Vinegar, Hootia and Metabolic Complex, and Pro Metabolic, all on sale now. Also, the Anti-Parasite Intestinal Freedom and Warwood Plus Complex, plus Stevia Liquid Sweetener and the Super Enzymes, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and click on Spring Specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy.
6: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com.
1: Enough of the mic stuff. Now, what we're going to do in this segment may be outdated, and you may hear a new version, or maybe you won't. But here's the story. There were reports came Thursday afternoon last week that Apple was in talks with Beats Audio, and I'll tell you about that company in a moment, to acquire them. Now, Apple acquires companies all the time, but usually they spend tens of millions, a few hundred million. This transaction was supposed to be, if it takes place, $3.2 billion. But who is Beats? Well, Beats is a company that's run by a fellow named Andre Young or Dr. Dre, his hip-hop name, and a very famous record producer. And I had to look up the pronunciation of his name, okay, because they list it two ways on Wikipedia, both of which are wrong. I actually listened to an interview where he says his name is Jimmy Iovine, which is almost spelled the way it sounds. He's a guy from Brooklyn, very famous recording engineer and producer from the 70s and 80s. He produced Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. He produced recordings from John Lennon. Bat Out of Hell from Meatloaf. He's worked with you, too.
0: This guy... With me, too. He worked with me. What? No. Okay. I was just trying to be funny. You said he worked with you, too.
1: (laughs) Well, that's very funny. I'm laughing. The point is, this is an A-list producer. He currently runs a record company that took over A&M Records. That was the one founded by... Herb Alpert and Jerry Moss that had the Carpenters and all those people. He owns the company that includes them as well. It's Interscope Geffen AM. and m So he and Dr. Dre were the co-founders of Beats Music. So they came out with fancy schmancy headphones, expensive headphones. But the sonic attributes are controversial. Kirk, you tell us what you've heard and I'll tell you Some of the stuff I've heard lately. Go ahead.
0: Well, the idea of the Beats headphone, and the reason you brought this up is because it's in the news and because I wrote something about it on my website. When I looked into this, I noticed a number of articles that said, well, they've never really said how their Beats audio system works. And some people speculate there's some equalization and, and loudness and stuff like that. The idea originally, I think, was to make a headphone for the young urban music market. So rap, hip hop, music that has a lot of bass and headphones for people that want a lot of bass. Now, I will be totally honest. I've never really sat down with Beats headphones and listened to them very much. I've listened to them a couple of times in stores for a couple of minutes and they just don't sound good to me. They're way too bassy, but they're a fashion thing. They're Overpriced, they're, what, three, $400 for headphones. You could get headphones for half the price, if not less. You're probably familiar with the Sony, was it MDR-75? The one with the coiled cable that's used in recording studios, you get them for about $100. They probably have better sound than Beats. But Beats has made a name for itself by creating these very visible headphones in all sorts of different colors, which have a lot of bass. Now, if you don't like that type of sound, you won't like the headphones. If you don't want red or white, bright plastic headphones or pink or purple, they have all sorts of colors, you probably won't like beats. If you listen to subtle music, let's say classical or jazz, you probably won't like beats.
1: Okay, now this is interesting here. It appears from what I've read that somewhere around 2013 or 2012, they started what they call revoicing. The headsets for more natural sound. Yep. Okay? And I've seen reviews. In fact, we have someone in our forums at forum.thepowercast.com. That's for a paranormal show. And he said, they sound great. I mean, really natural sound. And then I looked up some reviews. So Brian Chaffin is going to be on later in the show. He'll tell you his review more later. But he said, this is two years ago, Beats headphones reinvigorated the high-end headphone market but it did so with headphones that can turn any music into a muddy ROM through a swampy bottom land of mush. I'm sorry yep. it holds back. That's two years ago, 2012. 2013-2014, CNET reviews something called the Beats Studio Wireless, which is $379.95. It's a Bluetooth headset? Yeah. It got four stars. The sound was described as excellent, being well-balanced. Their criticism was mostly that if the rechargeable battery dies, it turns off. It's a noise-canceling headset. But that's true with the Bose QuietComforts, well, which you, were also three, could... $400. Let me get on, okay? Then you can comment about it. There's also another model, which is $299.99, called the Beats Executive, reviewed by Consumer Reports. It said it had excellent overall sound with a neutral character and very good active noise reduction. Bass has good impact and definition, but is slightly soft. Mid-range is even and smooth, and treble is extended. Overall sound is fairly open with good dynamics." Now, that was rated number one among noise-canceling headsets. What this leads me to believe is that Beats headphones are now in two categories. The traditional Mm. sound with a bassy sound and brittle treble, and a newer generation of devices which sound pretty decent. So it looks to me like they're trying to appeal to more mainstream users who don't want just hip-hop sound. They want something where they could use to listen to anything. That's what it sounds that's, like to me.
0: Yeah, that's entirely possible. Um, just to react about what you said about the rechargeable battery, you can use them with a wire. You can plug a wire into them. So even if the Bluetooth doesn't work, you know, you can still... If, even if the battery doesn't work and you can't use the Bluetooth, you can still use the headphones. Uh, I have a pair of Philips Bluetooth headphones, which works the same way. There's a jack in it and comes with a cable in case you want to use it.
1: Some of these noise-canceling headsets do not work at all, even without the noise-canceling if the battery runs out low on That's power. That's correct, yeah. That's That's the correct. Bose is like that. Let me tell you, I use a Grotto or Grado, depending on your point of view. It's a company in Brooklyn that, made, that still makes cartridges for LP players, for vinyl. And I have something called the Prestige Series. It's one of their mid price models, SR-225. And it's cheaper than a Beats. It doesn't look so fancy. It looks okay, serviceable, but sounds great.
0: I did some headphone shopping last year just out of curiosity. To, I went into a place and listened to a bunch. I listened to the Grado 325. I listened to the 225 and another one. And then I said, well, what's the next one up? And when I heard the 325, that blew me away. The 225 was great good but the 325 was great the 325 here costs 300 pounds i'm looking at the beats pro it sells for 390 the beats studio is 390 and what about and the beats
1: executive
0: i don't think they sell that anymore they have yes, they do. studio studio pro and wireless and solo exactly. See, if i looked at their site it's on the
1: bottom of the list exactly okay well
0: they don't have it here
1: okay maybe they're ah, sorry they... you're
0: right 200 270 pounds
1: okay Okay, so
0: therefore so it's, the it's in the same the price the sound. range.
1: It's in the same price range. Now the key here is yeah. that you can't say anymore that Beats headsets sound bad because obviously these reviews say that otherwise. That those particular models, maybe not the others, are getting you really know, high ratings. Let's go in more into-
0: that, I've read other reviews that don't give that don't put them anywhere near the top as well. So it's mixed. It's mixed, and you really need to know what kind of music people are listening to. I'll tell you what, we need to know that we
1: have Kirk McElhern with us. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live.
7: Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN.
11: There are many things the human body can do very well, but maintaining the proper pH level isn't always one of them. That's where Alkavision Plasma pH Drops can make a world of difference. Alkavision Plasma pH Drops helps your body do what's natural. Just a few drops a day helps rid your body of harmful waste and acid while promoting health and restoring vibrance and energy. Alkalizing boosts your immune system and can help fight headaches, irritability, cramping, and insomnia. Alkalizing also helps the body fight depression and even bone loss. To learn more about the importance of alkalizing and how you can find life-changing and vital balance, please visit AlkaVision's brand new website at AlkaVision.com. Same great products, but now easier to use and more informative than ever before. To get your very own plasma pH drops for just $29.95, call 800-518-7615 or visit AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Alkalize your body and supercharge your health at the new AlkaVision.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl
12: live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
1: Here on the Tech Night Owl live, we're talking about the story that Apple may acquire Beats Audio. And the fact is, as you mentioned, some people hate the headphones, some people love them. More recent models get better reviews, which means maybe they're paying more attention to voicing them, to making them sound more natural. Whatever. I haven't heard them. You heard them a while back, maybe briefly, and you didn't like them.
0: Let me just point out something that I'm looking at the Beats executive webpage, and it comes with AAA batteries. The other ones are rechargeable batteries that apparently, I guess you can't change, but this one you can. So that makes it a lot more flexible.
1: You know what? If... I can get a hold of their PR department. I'll ask for one for review. The problem is that if they're in the middle of being acquired, that's going to change. You'll soon go to Apple PR, and then you'll get nothing maybe. The point here is, okay, so Beats makes headphones, regular earphones, tiny earphones. They make portable speakers, but they also have something called Beats Music, which is a music streaming service. It's available separately or as a family plan on AT&T. But the big thing is here, supposedly, their algorithm in building custom playlists for you is based not just on a computer, but on individuals who, I guess, give guiding points as to sell to set up a playlist. Regardless, it gets really good reviews. It only has like 100 or 200,000 members. But supposedly, that may be one of the things that Apple is interested in. I hardly think whatever you think of Beats headphones. Apple would want to spend $3.2 billion to acquire one of those companies.
0: Well, when I sat down and tried to think of the logic, and I may be totally wrong here, the headphones aren't an Apple quality product, though we've just discussed maybe they've gotten better. The music service, while the reviews I've read have been very positive, according to a website called Digital Music News that often gets leaked documents from the music industry, they only have 111,000 subscribers. Right. That's what is my math correct saying that's 3 million of subscriber? No, it's just, it's nothing. It's not about the
1: subscribers. It may be about the technology. It can't be about, it can't be about the contracts because supposedly, and I have no way of confirming this, supposedly if the company is sold, those contracts would have to be renegotiated.
0: Which you mean the contracts with the record labels? Exactly. Yeah. Um, the technology. Is it technology or is it someone who just said, we're going to hire a bunch of people who are literally editors who know the music and who hear all the new music and have them group music together? If that's all they're doing, it's not really a technology. If, if anything, it's just leveraging people.
1: Yes you could and almost no, supposedly argue that, it's both.
0: Okay. You could argue that Apple's genius so the, the genius technology that's in iTunes and on iOS essentially looks at what you've got in your music library and it compares that with what other people have in their music libraries. And this is hundreds of millions of people in order to find songs that go together. So let's just take an example. You've got Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and Beatles in your library. And I've got Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd in my library. Well, If we each make a genius playlist, you might get Pink Floyd because I have it, and I might get The Beatles because you have it. So it's basically finding what people like, assuming that you like everything in your library, and suggesting to others that these songs go together. Now, that's all mechanical. It's very possible that there's someone behind the curtain tweaking it every once in a while. Um, In fact, a few months ago, it was pretty much broken, and... Some very popular songs were offering no genius suggestions. But if Beats Music is doing something that's more manual with knowledgeable people sitting down and editing lists of music and creating channels, there's no technology involved in it. You've got a big package here. You've got the headphones, and it's a, it's a well-known brand in certain areas and certain demographics. Whether or not it's the quality that matches Apple quality remains to be seen.
1: Supposedly, You've- it's the most popular premium headphone out there right now?
0: Well, I I don't know what you would call most popular in the sense that, again, it's only a certain demographic that's buying it. People who are listening to their music at home on a stereo, and I'm I'm not going to use necessarily the word audiophile, but people that want good headphones, are more likely to buy Sennheiser, Grado, Bayer Dynamic, or something like that. So... I don't know how you categorize popular and that sort of thing.
1: It's a reflection of total sales, that's all. It could be. In in Um, which case, the fact that their products are more expensive means higher. Now, here the key is, forgetting all the nuts and bolts and nuances, why would Apple want to buy this company? Is it because of the technology? It's not because of the headphones. They can make their own, although we admittedly Apple's current Earphones aren't that great. I don't think so. Is it the technology for the music service? Maybe. Is it Jimmy Iovine, his clout in the music industry, and having him on board with Apple to do things, to make deals? Because this guy's a deal maker. He's not just a producer who knows all the major artists in the industry and has worked with many of them. He's a deal maker. He also was close with Steve Jobs. And work yeah. with Apple on a number of things from the days of the original iPod.
0: Would they need to pay $3.2 billion to get someone like that? I don't think so.
1: No, but that has to be a bunch of things. If this is true, and we'll know possibly by the time you hear this show.
0: If and there, this is think, true, think,
1: Apple would have to be considering a whole bunch of things for this acquisition to make sense.
0: Well, the first thing we need to consider is that Apple does not generally buy brands and use the brand names. There is one brand that Apple currently sells that that belongs to Apple and sells under their brand name. Can you think what it is? FileMaker? Yep, FileMaker Pro. And that was a separate company. I like the people
1: at FileMaker. There's a guy there, Ryan Rosenberg, who's a marketing guy. And we've had him on the show a couple of times. And Apple executives in general don't come on the show. I mean, we have had them in the past. But Ryan is great. He's a great guest. Even if he wasn't with FileMaker, he was talking last week about tricks to enable paperless use of computers and tablets and everything. He was talking about what happened to the paperless revolution and practical ways to use less paper and ink. I mean, he would be a great guest anyway. He's a great guy. He's the only yeah, Apple but, but, executive who will probably come on right now. And after hearing this, he probably will never come on again. The point being, we all know about that.
0: But with Beats... FileMaker Bio, Pro is is a great product, and it's a great company. And in a way, it's glad that Apple's left it on its own. But it's the only brand that Apple's ever acquired and left on its own. Um, if you remember, there was a music... Was it a streaming service or a radio thing called Lala that Apple bought and shut down right away? Because basically, they bought it just to get it to get rid of it because they had plans for iTunes radio or other iTunes things. Um, So the question is, would they actually maintain such a brand? And that we don't know.
1: Well, I understand
0: here with Beats,
1: Beats is too high profile a brand not to to maintain the brand. Yes, it will have possibly some Apple design things about it, things like that. But I could not, for a moment, believe that if Apple buys this company, they wouldn't retain that brand. But I still don't understand what Apple thinks they bring to the table. That's our big question.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I can't see Apple being too concerned about selling headphones. With with all the hardware they sell, they don't need to have a headphone brand in their stable. They do, however, need to do something to iTunes. All the rumors um, and leaked information suggest that iTunes sales are flat, uh, iTunes radio is not working, a lot of people are moving to streaming, and there's enough talk in the industry about talk, so people are contacting, you know, Apple's contacting record companies and all that, that we know something's going to happen. So the idea of, of acquiring a company to, to fold it into iTunes as a streaming service doesn't surprise me, but it's not worth $3.2 billion.
1: I understand well, that, but we have a lot more to understand and figure out. We have Kirk McElhern. More to come on the Tech Night Alive. Live. <laughs>
7: from the shackles of corporate America. We're the place for independent thinkers. GCN.
13: Bricklows. You can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335.
10: Americans have always been ready to defend to serve, and to honor those who defended and are defending all of us. So this month, the Freeze-Dry Guy honors and serves Americans with our meat, rice, and potato sale. Our unit includes four number 10 cans of quality Mountain House cooked diced beef, ground beef, diced chicken, white rice, and two cans of FDG dehydrated diced potatoes. 158 servings per case unit. And during the Freeze-Dry Guy's meat, rice, and potato sale, get one case for only $179, two cases for only $355, or get three cases for only $515. And all come with lots of valuable freebies. For details, click FreezeDryGuy.com and hurry. Sale ends soon. Go to FreezeDryGuy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-FOOD. Plus, free shipping to the lower 48 states from the freeze dried Guide, the finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage.
3: Hi, my name is Scott Fuchs, teacher and rowing coach for over 14 years. I was sluggish, overweight, on prescription drugs, and only 30-something. Fortunately, I was referred to Dr. Z and happy to say Dr. Z's all-natural protocols over a consistent course resolved my health issues. I'm in the best shape of my life, and most importantly, on zero medications.
6: I'm Dr. Zdanowski, author of Evology. Trained as a primary care physician, surgical manipulation under anesthesia, expert in nutrition, diet, weight loss, immune system, and I specialize in chiropractic. My 15 years of professional experience has taught me the four keys to vibrant health. A balanced muscular skeletal system, an integrated nervous system, a flowing lymphatic system, and a body filled with over 90 essential nutrients. This has been A Secret Too Long. Actualize your potential. Reverse disease. Call me, Dr. Z. Two zero one nine four five one one seven seven, two zero one nine four five one one seven seven, evolve yourself.com. You're listening
12: to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
1: Back with the Tech Night Out Live and Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy, talking about the reports that Apple is in talks to spend $3.2 billion for Beats Audio. Now, supposedly Beats' market cap now, because they got some private capital funding, is what, a billion, a billion and a half dollars? So
0: well, it, it, also, it also
1: has, shows earnings of over a billion dollars a year. So then paying $3.2 billion is not out of the question when you look at dollars and cents, But otherwise, I don't understand it.
0: Yeah. Let's just bear in mind that there was a rumor that went around the world a couple weeks ago that Apple was planning to make earbuds with blood pressure sensors in them. Now, I immediately saw the bull in this because a blood pressure sensor requires, well, pressure and arteries. And there's no arteries in your ear, and there's no way it can squeeze. And it turned out that some guy just made this up on his toilet, posted it to Secret, which is a sort of um, an anonymous type of Twitter thing. And someone picked it up and ran with it, and pretty soon it was being reported by major news outlets all over the world. That shows two things. You can pretty much make up anything about Apple, and people will believe it. And second, an awful lot of major news outlets are pretty crappy, that they would accept a rumor like this and start talking about it with absolutely no information at all. They didn't use their BS detector to think, well, hey, how about we call a doctor who knows how blood pressure works and see if this is even remotely possible?
1: Well that's typical. I think right now the various mainstream journalism outlets no longer have the researchers, the extra copy editors, the people who fact check like they used to. Part of the problem is they've cut back on staff. I think that the only major not, newspaper, excuse. the only major it, newspaper that's being it's adding to staff these days appears to be the Washington Post, Jeff Bezos from Bezos bought it, yeah. Yeah, from Amazon bought it as a private investment and they added 50 people to the newsroom. That's really strange.
0: But that's not an excuse, because there's a journalist who wrote the article about that who should have asked the questions. It's not about fact-checkers. It's about irresponsible journalism. Look at what you're seeing in Mac journalism these days, and with the exception of sites like Macworld, I don't want to toot the horn of one of my employers, but all over the place, mock-ups of what an iPhone 6 might look like. You see a dozen a week of basically maybe talented designers who are just sitting down and showing something that they think an iPhone 6 might be, but there are these websites showing, ooh, new mock-up of possible iPhone 6, as if these people have a finger on the pulse of Apple. And we know very well that just that information just does not leak.
1: Okay, but here's the problem back again. The New York Times has it, the Wall Street Journal has it, Bloomberg. You think if there's a leak at all, it's people close to Beats. It's not Apple. All right. So maybe one of these executives has loose lips, maybe Dr. Dre, maybe it's Jimmy Iovine. But Jimmy is very close to Apple. I don't think he'd spill the beans. I think the guy who boasts being the first billion dollar hip hop guy, Dr. Dre. But what are you going to do? You're going to go back and say, shut up. You can't tell him to shut up. No,
0: to be honest, this was first reported, if I'm not mistaken, by the Financial Times, which is less likely to report something that's unfounded. Now, that suggests one of two things, as you said, a leak from someone, an executive, or an intentional leak on Apple's part. You don't want people being surprised when something like this happens. It can hit the share price. You want it to come out slowly, and then Apple confirms it with an announcement. But still, it just, you know, to you and me who've been following Apple for a long time, it doesn't make sense. However, maybe this is Tim Cook's Apple. This is not Steve Jobs' Apple. And maybe Tim Cook is turning 180 degrees, and he's going to start doing things like that. Apple has warehouses full of cash that they could spend on very large companies. Maybe they're going to start spending that money instead of just sitting on it in overseas bank accounts.
1: Yes, but this acquisition has to produce several things for Apple. One might be the music service. It could be folded into iTunes radio. The headphones, not so much. The expertise of their co-founder, that might be worth a lot of money because, as I said, he has the power in the music industry to go to his fellow compatriots. And probably he'd have to give up his post at Interscope, Geffen, A&M to do this. He can go in there with his prestige and say, hey, I'm an Apple now. We'll make you the deal of a lifetime and use that also as leverage maybe to deal with the movie companies. That may be worth yeah. some of that transaction. It's not just for the service, not just for the products. He is a linchpin here.
0: Well, here's where it might be worth it. It wouldn't be worth it to have Jimmy Iovine negotiating contracts for iTunes. It would be worth it if Apple's planning to become a record label, a movie studio, or a TV producer or something like that. If Apple's planning to radically change the company's content strategy, in other words, to not just be a retailer, but to also be a producer. And in that case, that's the person you want.
1: Well, you know, it might be an expensive acquisition, but let's see. I guess Apple would feel that, look, all things being equal, they could make that back in a couple of years with the headphones and with the music service. And everything else is icing on the cake because Apple looks long term, not for any immediate gains. They I don't do, know. They know
0: things we I, I don't.
1: Think- Who knows?
0: Didn't Tim Cook say in the last quarterly earnings call that they'd acquired, was it two dozen companies in the last year or 15 or something? Yes. So they're constantly acquiring companies for technology and talent, but these are small enough that you're never going to hear about them. They'll be in some sort of SEC filing or an annual report, but they're not going to make the news and Apple's not necessarily going to issue a press release about them. But Apple's constantly buying companies to just basically scarf up intellectual property.
1: Well, this is quite a scarfing, my friend, but it's not as bad it as is, they... It is.
0: We'll, we'll see. I, I think the deadline to really know about this is the WWDC, which is in, what, about three weeks, because it'll be a moment when Apple could announce something. They could announce it before. And the WWDC being for developers, it doesn't really fit with an announcement for content strategy, but you never know. It's, it's a moment when Tim Cook's going to be up on stage.
1: And, you know, maybe Dr. Dre performs. I don't know. What can I tell you? Hey, we'll know more, and maybe the version of this interview you hear may not be the same.
0: Maybe you'll just erase it, because tomorrow or the day after, um, we'll get confirmation one way or another.
1: We'll have to figure it out. Anyway, let's move to other topics. Stay in the music realm here. Now, I know we did a number of shows about this, not just with you, Kirk, but with other guests, about... The fact that people no longer are concerned about music quality because they get the low-resolution tracks from iTunes. Of course, Apple increased the quality with AAC-256K, which they claim is very, very close to a CD. I would say it's really good. I haven't done the A-B comparisons on a high-end audio system, but it's good. But now there's a story from Mac Rumors, which is one of the more responsible rumor sites, suggesting that Apple is preparing... For iOS eight, the ability to play HD audio. Now everything is HD if it's not four K. What pray tell is HD audio?
0: Well, HD audio is a term that the music industry is trying to impose lately um, for high resolution audio. So this is audio files that offer a higher bit depth or sample rate than CDs. In other words, they're mathematically they're better though generally, there's no real proof that they actually sound any better. These are files that take up a lot more space. Um, these are the equivalent of the types of files that are used in studios, which are then converted down to a CD.
1: Okay, so theoretically here, there's much more headroom there. and When you convert them or mix them down for...
0: Well, the, 60- the two main things that high-resolution audio offer are a higher dynamic range, which is the, the difference between the, the softest and the loudest sounds, and higher frequencies. Now, we can't hear the higher frequencies, we're not dogs, and the higher dynamic range will probably blow out our speakers if we play something too loud.
1: And bear in mind, too, most pop music, it's not about classical, most popular music, the dynamic range is very, very compressed. So it really doesn't matter. The point is here, the theory is that if you have more headroom, in terms of frequency response, in terms of the dynamic range, you get a more accurate reproduction of the finished That's product. The theory. That's the theory. I don't know about that. But remember, some people think vinyl sounds better. But if you measure the dynamic range and the frequency response, it's much lower it's worse. than digital. Yeah, it's, much it's worse. It's the
0: distortion that makes it sound better. Of course. So anyway. So- if you, if you want to know... One of the ways you can hear a difference um, is watch a movie with a lot of special effects and explosions. Movies are not compressed the way music is. So you probably have to keep fiddling with your remote control, turning up the volume to hear the dialogue, and turning down the volume when the explosions come along. That's because there's a much higher dynamic range in movie soundtracks.
1: I'll tell you what I do. What I do is I use one of these audio leveling features on my speakers and what it does is it makes the difference between the crashes and the gunshots and the dialogue much less and that's fine with me
0: it compresses you know, the w- dynamic range is what it does
1: kirk McElhern joining us i'm gene steinberger in the tech night out live <laughs>
7: The nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G.C.N.
1: Henry Ford once said, a man who stops advertising to save money is like a man who stops a clock to save time. Alex Castle here, the National Account Executive
11: at GCN. I have the ability to customize a national radio campaign based on your budget while targeting your demographic. Contact me to find out how national radio can help your business be more profitable at 877-996-4327, extension 177. That's
1: 877-996-4327, extension 177. And help me help you bring your business to the next level.
11: If you're worried about your health and you're tired of the nasty side effects of harsh drugs or antibiotics, then look no further. Supernatural Silver is the answer. Supernatural Silver is a powerful immune system enhancer that can be used every day to help keep you healthy and well. With none of those nasty side effects... It's extremely safe for use internally as well as topically. And Supernatural Silver is hundreds of times more effective than colloidal or ionic silver. It is perfect for use in the sinuses, eyes, ears, and on any wound or skin issue. Supernatural Silver is also extremely effective when taken orally and can help fight off bacteria, viruses, and mold that may be overwhelming your immune system. Go to SupernaturalSilver.com SupernaturalSilver.com and use the promo code silver. 2014 for 20% off of your entire order and give yourself and your loved ones a fighting chance with Supernatural Silk. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live where you never know what's going to
6: happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: compressed dynamic range too. As a matter of fact, when we do these interviews, we run it through a levelator, which is an application that adjusts levels. So they sound more consistent. Okay. If you don't like it, contact the authors of levelator. All right. As a practical matter, though, if you're feeding higher resolution audio, the size of the file is going to be much larger.
0: Well, the files are much larger. A CD is 1,411 kilobits per second. So, when you were talking earlier about AAC at 256K, a CD is about five times that, a little bit more. A high-resolution file is going to be two to 3,000 kilobits per second. So, double the size of a CD already. You know, if you look at a a current iPod, I don't know, what what do they say? 10,000 songs for the iPod Classic, right? And... Well, they used to say 20,000, that was at 128K, and then they changed to 10,000 for 256. Divide that by 10 if you're using high-resolution audio, and if you can only put 1,000 songs on a 160-gigabyte iPod, you're not going to have a lot of music to listen to. And, and that's only one of the reasons that high-resolution doesn't make sense on an iPod. When you listen to your iPod, you're very often outdoors, You're very often listening on earbuds or low-quality headphones, unless you have Beats, and you won't be able to hear the difference between a regular... You won't even be able to hear the difference between a 128K track because of the ambient noise around you. So that just doesn't make sense.
1: So what's the point of it?
0: I don't know. I think there are a lot of points. One of them is that uh, I think we talked a few weeks ago about Neil Young's Pono, which is basically a high-resolution player and store and software. There's a small market of people who are willing to pay more for these files because they believe that these files sound better, just as they believe that, you know, deoxidized copper cables make their speakers sound better. And we've been through that several times on the show. Personally, I don't think this rumor is true because why would you want to do this? First of all, Apple has an interest in selling lossless files. Now a lossless file is something where instead of compressing a file and removing some of the actual musical data, which is what's done with MP3 and AAC compression, lossless compression its like a zip compression for a word processing document. It shrinks the file but when you play it back you've lost nothing. So you can take a a CD and you can shrink it to about half its size, sometimes even more, and have the the real quality of a CD. Now There are a lot of people who won't buy digital because they want CD quality. So Apple's first step would have to be selling lossless and not going to, to high resolution, which is two or three times the size of those files. I just don't see the point of doing this for a portable device. There are a few portable devices that can play these files. I doubt many people use them for portable listening. Whereas an iPhone or an iPod, you're probably going to be listening an awful lot when you're out in the street walking around on the subway or whatever.
1: All right, but this HD audio then, I think there's a lot of hype value in that.
0: Well, th- there's been hype value from the very beginning. The fact that high resolution audio doesn't sound better um, to 99% of people because it's a placebo, there's no way we can hear the high frequencies, and even if we could, your speakers can't reproduce them, et etc., etc. et cetera. Et cetera it's all about marketing but i don't i just don't see it making any sense that apple do something one of the things in the article so macrumors got this from a japanese website and i don't know whether this is a reliable site they're talking about a new lightning cable that could downsample music now a lightning cable's just a usb cable with a specific connector at one end the cable itself doesn't change the music i i don't understand I mean, it would be iTunes that would be downsampling music if that was going to happen. And In fact, iTunes can take your lossless files and compress them when you sync to an iOS device. So the idea of a cable being necessary to play this just doesn't make any sense. The only way a cable could be necessary to play some kind of music is if there's copy protection. And since there's no copy protection, no DRM on music in the iTunes store, I can't see them coming back with copy protection for high-resolution music.
1: All right, so this would be sold mostly for hype value and also maybe for people who are into high-end audio at home and want to get the best quality they can get, I guess.
0: You want to get the best quality, buy a CD, spend your money on a good pair of speakers. Um, We had this discussion last time. Uh, Apparently, in, in real objective tests, all amps sound alike. The only real difference is the features they have. Spend your money on speakers. Don't go spending your money on specific music files.
1: Well, let me make an exception there. A tube amplifier distorts the sound more, interacts with the speakers in a way that causes the frequency response to waver because of what they call low damping factor and that kind of thing. And therefore, the sound is different, but the sonic signature can be pleasing. It's not accurate. In other words, the change from... It's not a straight wire with gain. used to be the thing about amplifiers was you wanted a straight wire with gain, meaning you take the signal, you amplify it, but you don't change it. A tube amplifier is not a straight wire with gain. It doesn't mean you don't like what it sounds like, but that's the case.
0: Yeah. So anyway, this is an interesting rumor, but I doubt we're going to see that. I would like to see iTunes selling lossless files. As I said, a lot of people would like to buy them. Um, lossless files are better to have as archives because you can convert them to any bitrate you want without losing anything so if you have uh, Apple's 256k AAC files and you want to squeeze more on your iPod you can convert them to 128 and, and iTunes does the conversion when you sync and that's a useful feature to have to get more music on a device where the quality isn't that important you're out in the street the sound quality is less important but it's a second conversion. You've converted once from lossless and a second time from a lossy compression to another. So that can introduce decompression artifacts. Now, if you only do that once from lossless to lossy, then you're going to have a much better compression. Um, If Apple does this, would they do something like they did with iTunes Plus where you pay to upgrade them? Or would they just roll them into iTunes Match where you can download them? I don't know. The, the whole issue, again, with lossless and high resolution is they take up more space. And when you've got limited storage on a device, you simply don't have the space to put a lot of music. Now, I could understand Apple selling lossless as a way to sort of nudge people to buy iPhones and iPods with more storage because they make more money off them. But how many people would do that, I don't know. I don't think a lot of people... There's a a minority that cares about lossless, but most people don't.
1: So the point being here is maybe it would be a premium version of a music file. You want lossless? For a dollar more, we give you lossless.
0: Yeah, that's the, the way they did the iTunes Plus in the beginning. What was it, 30 cents more a track? And you could upgrade your old tracks? But one of the differences with iTunes Plus is there was no DRM. So you could put them on non-Apple devices. And here, we've already got no DRM, so you wouldn't have that sort of bonus for the upgrade.
1: Well, if they can sell the illusion, if not the fact of better quality, yes. But that gets back to things like 4K TV. Yeah. So we have, of course, the stories about 4K TV, four times the number of pixels as 1080p. The problem being that to really see it at, say, a normal viewing distance, like eight or 10 feet, say in your living room or something, you need a TV set with a 60 inch screen or larger. Even then, the difference isn't drastic. It really isn't. I've seen 4K at the local Best Buy store. And I spent some time with a couple of models from Sony and Samsung. And yes, you see the difference more so in still pictures. The trick they do with 4K in the stores is they use still pictures, because you see the difference. If you're using a standard motion picture, a sporting event where everything is moving around a lot, the distinctive difference in resolution is not that visible.
0: Yeah, before the show, you mentioned that, and I said, well, there's also 4K audio. Um, It's not exactly called 4K, it's called DSD, which is an abbreviation for Direct Stream Digital. Uh, It's what was developed by Sony and Philips for super audio CDs, SACDs, which are pretty much dead these days. There are only a few labels that make SACDs anymore. Yeah, you there know there were s-
1: two different formats for this super audio kind of thing, and they didn't do well. People didn't care. Kirk McLaren well, it- always cares, though, and that's why he's here on the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code,
15: Adam Miller here with Midas Resources. Today, April 21st, 2014, gold opened at 12 dollars and 80 cents. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for $13.46, $6.73 for a half ounce, or 3 dollars and 50 cents for a quarter ounce. That's $13.46, $6.73, and three thirty six fifty. dollars
14: Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explained this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237.
17: Question, could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM-1 from Terraganics. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM-1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM-1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terragonics.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM-1 from Terragonics. Life's getting better. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts
6: or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at That's news at techniteowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at techniteowl.com slash radio. That's techniteowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes.
1: We have Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy from... Macworld is into sound, which you can see. We're talking about one of the formats for higher resolution CDs that kind of didn't take off. There were two, but it's the same problem. People didn't care that much except for a small number.
0: Yeah, you can still get some classical CDs in SACD, but other than that, it's not very popular. It is popular in Japan. There are a lot of releases in SACD. So SACD, generally, there are two types of format. The basic format of Super Audio CD is a very, very, very high sample rate, which is 2.8224 megahertz, which is 64 times the sample rate of audio CDs. That's 2,800 kilohertz. And we're talking about high resolution audio generally being 96 kilohertz before the sampling rate. Now, the sampling rate allows you to have higher frequencies, but also it makes each, each slice of the music is shorter. Theoretically, it makes a better sound, even though we don't necessarily hear it. One of the things about DSD is, so CDs use 16-bit. This is the bit depth, and that's what gives the dynamic range, the volume differences that we discussed earlier. DSD uses one bit, but the way it's sampled provides a different way to get the very broad dynamic range. So you've got two types of SACDs. You've got basic stereo SACDs like that. And then you've got 5.1 SACDs. Personally, I don't have a 5.1 system anymore. It's too much of a headache. SACDs, I've got a few. Okay. You know, it's it's it doesn't sound that different to me. There's another thing called uh, DVD audio these days, which is basically high-resolution music files on DVDs. But SACDs, Super Audio CDs, while they've disappeared as CDs almost entirely, there are several companies that are starting to sell these files by download these DSD files, which I'm not sure exactly, they're about 50 times the size of CD files. So you've got to have a very, very good internet connection to be able to download these things. They're very expensive, two or three times the price of a CD. Do you really want to spend that much? You know, there are some people who do. Well,
1: the question being here that even if you could demonstrate with an AB or ABX test, a double blind test, that there was no difference in the sound quality, people would still hear it, and there yeah, would be an
0: audience. People hear it because they want to, and you know, even if you can't prove it with scientific instruments that measure the sound, people are going to hear it. But that's a really, really minority product right now because of the bandwidth you need to be able to download it, and the prices, and the limited number of music available in that format. But that's sort of the audio equivalent of 4K, Now, you can see the difference with 4K if you walk up to a TV with a magnifying glass. Sure. The pixels are smaller. There are more pixels on the screen. But what's important is your perception of the picture when you're sitting where you sit to watch a movie. Beyond a certain distance, you simply can't see the separations of the pixels. I I think a 4K uh, TV will be good when we have very, very, very large TVs because to fit the 1920 by 1080 pixels in a TV screen that's 100 inches, you need pretty darn big pixels. But for the size of TVs we have now, 4K is definitely overkill. Add to that, you need a fast internet connection to download anything if you're gonna be streaming. You'll need a new player to play back. Discs, are these on Blu-rays or are they?
1: There is no Blu-ray 4K format. There will be, right now Netflix is streaming 4K, but it is so compressed, you're not gonna see much of a difference.
0: Yeah, See, that's the thing. There are so many variables that enter into this. It may be 4K, but it may be, as you say, compressed, that you're just not getting the real 4K. You may play high-resolution music over a radio, right, an FM radio station. You won't hear it in high-resolution because there are all these steps along the way that change the way you are going to hear it at the end. So I think 4K, again, when we get bigger TVs, it's going to be a thing. But until then, it's nothing really to worry about.
1: So don't worry about it. And what will happen, though, is ultimately 4K TV sets will filter down to the cheaper brands with decent quality as the technology improves. Already, there's going to be a P-series from Vizio that's coming, I think, this fall, where you get incredible specs, but a 50-inch TV will be $1,000, a 55-inch will be $1,400, Now, that's downright affordable. Yeah, you can get a 50-inch standard LED set for maybe $700. But this is the way for the TV makers to sell you brand new sets because the problem with high-definition sets is most of the sets are pretty good. They last, what, 5, 10 years? There's no incentive to upgrade. They tried 3D. 3D went nowhere. A lot of the 3D models are being phased out. People don't care about 3D in a home. Maybe they'll see 3D movies in the multiplex, but not at home. So the TV industry with flat profits, lower sales, they have to look for a new technology. And also, this is a way for them to sell you larger screen sets. Because if you perceive you need the 60 or 65-inch set for 4K, maybe people will say, you know what, a few hundred dollars more, maybe I can swing it on the credit card. That's what the TV makers are hoping.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, the only way to incite people to upgrade to a 4K TV is if they get 4K... TV. In other words, not if they have to buy the discs and play them back, but if they get them over cable, broadcast TV, or Netflix, or whatever. The entire world is updated to HD in, what, the past 10, 15 years. I don't think the entire world is going to update again to 4K in this generation. Think of the investment that this required. You remember when the U.S. went to, to, to HD, the government gave vouchers for people to buy new tuners. There's an awful lot of equipment. There's, there's a a big chain of production that requires that's required to, to do this. Now, apparently, TV studios and all, they're shooting in 4K because it lets them do more in editing, and then they downsample it to HD. And that's pretty much the same idea as recording music in high resolution and then downsampling at the end of the line.
1: That's one of the linchpins, but, by the way, of the Mac Pro. The new Mac Pro is capable of 4K, and, the you, graphic cards. Yeah the new version of Final Cut Pro 10 and its 4K video in almost real time, they tell you, on that Mac Pro. And the key being here is that the industry is prepared for it. But at home, for example, your current DVR, your cable box, whatever, doesn't do it because it needs a different technology. Right now you have H.264 compression. It's H.265, which means all your set-top boxes have to be updated. Whether this will spread to broadcast TV, it's the same problem. You need new tuners. You need adapters. It's the same conversion all over again. It may be simpler just to buy the TV set and hope there's going to be a, a Blu-ray or a streaming file that you can use for 4K. But it's going to be a while before the cable and satellite companies do it. And remember, too, in the United States, there's a big turnover here. Comcast and Time Warner are emerging. AT&T is poised to buy DirecTV. So That's if right. these so things happen... 50, what is it, $50 billion? Something like that. Yeah. If, if these things happen, the problem is there's going to be time for the technology to spread. Quickly, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff.
0: You can stop by my website, Kirkville. That's www.mckelhearn.com. That's M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. And you can find me over at Macworld.
1: Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live.
7: Thanks for having me again, Gene. We are the premier independent talk radio network, the Genesis Communications Network,
1: GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount For all our listeners, 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code Gene
13: when you check out. you can't afford to wait so call 866-91-STEEL lock in your price now call 866-91-STEEL that's 866-917-8335
11: If you're worried about your health and you're tired of the nasty side effects of harsh drugs or antibiotics, then look no further. Supernatural Silver is the answer. Supernatural Silver is a powerful immune system enhancer that can be used every day to help keep you healthy and well. With none of those nasty side effects, It's extremely safe for use internally as well as topically. And Supernatural Silver is hundreds of times more effective than colloidal or ionic silver. It is perfect for use in the sinuses, eyes, ears, and on any wound or skin issue. Supernatural Silver is also extremely effective when taken orally and can help fight off bacteria, viruses, and mold that may be overwhelming your immune system. Go to SupernaturalSilver.com SupernaturalSilver.com and use the promo code SilverSilver. Silver 2014 for 20% off of your entire order and give yourself and your loved ones a fighting chance with Supernatural Silver.
12: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, just to show you the sacrifices that Brian Chaffin is willing to make to appear on the Tech Night Out Live, you closed the windows.
19: I did, and it's hot today. Really? How hot? Uh, it's in the 90s. That's hot for here. What part of the country are you in, for our listeners' sake? It's the Bay Area. Okay. Not that... hot for you. Very hot for me.
1: Well, it's 86 here. Oh, wow. So I'm sending all the heat waves to you. Well, thank you. It's 91 here. You see, they say there's no global warming. I've been to the Bay Area a number of times. I've never seen it that hot.
19: You know, usually, I, I tell you, I, don't, I guess we probably shouldn't derail too long, but, but we usually have two weeks of hot in the Bay Area during the summer, but not usually this, this early.
1: Okay, we can get into the argument about global warming later, but not on this show, <laughs> on another show. Okay, now we had this discussion with another guest And so I want to get your slant on it. Okay. Our previous guest was Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy, big music guy. Sure. And I asked him about the possible plan of Apple to acquire Beats Audio. Now, just to frame this, folks, when they asked me about this and when I read about it, my response in many words was,
19: Beats Me. (laughs) That's a lousy (laughs) (laughs) point.
1: You like that, huh?
19: No, no, sir. I did not. Okay. Yes, I do. I
1: do. I like the. Lines. I don't funny. know. Well, it's interesting here. Now, certain audio products have very polarized reactions. Now, Bose is one of those. Bose mm-hmm. has traditionally been regarded as overpriced, underperforming. So, for example, there's an old phrase, no highs, no lows must be Bose. <laughs> now, I don't agree with that. I think that the Bose products I've heard sound pretty decent but you see where it goes. People have perceptions. They take a buzzword and they flip it on its ear and it lives there forever. So I read this earlier, but you can explain this. You reviewed a Beats headset a couple of years back and you'll tell us which model when I read the sentence that says it all. Beats headphones reinvigorated the high-end headphone market, but it did so with headphones that can turn any music into a muddy romp through a swampy bottom land of mush. I yes. love the
19: way you wrote that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I was originally reviewing uh, V-Moda Crossfade M100s, which are currently my absolute favorite uh, non-noise canceling headphones. I think they sound amazing. And what I was trying to do by, by dragging the beat's name through the mud <laughs> with that comment was um, beat up on them <laughs> was exactly was to to frame where i was coming from because uh, i think these these Vmoda headphones just sound absolutely amazing and many people think that that the beats devices uh sound really amazing and while i think that the beats headphones are incredibly well made i, I actually when i went to do my research i was hoping to be blown away by them because uh they looked cool and they they're incredibly comfortable and they're really well made but i just i found them at the, the, this i think this is the studio uh line which they're, they're high-end line i just found them to be balanced so poorly that, that that the bass just overwhelms all the rest of the
1: music okay we understand for hip-hop that works you do know that i think in 2013
19: they revoiced redesigned the studio and I have not tested the, the new ones, and I, I, I owe it to myself and to everyone else to do so. Okay, CNET reviewed the Studio Wireless, which is a Bluetooth version. Mm-hmm. They
1: described the sound as excellent. Okay, they gave it four stars. Their only criticism was the fact that when the batteries go down, no sound. But that's the same criticism you could make of the Bose Quiet Comfort. Consumer Reports reviewed another model from Beats called The Executive, which is cheaper. It's like $299.95. And they gave it an 85 rating, which is the highest rating they gave for any noise-canceling headset. And in general, they loved it. They gave the sonic quality, was rated as very natural, very good, slightly soft bass, kind of a warm texture or character to the sound, which I think appeals to a lot of people. A lot of people like... A slightly warm veneer. This gets into, of course, the analog sound, the so called vinyl sound. So, obviously, the people who designed the product and voice it, which is kind of like giving it its sonic character or a signature, gave it a slightly soft sound. Now, I take it as this that everything you said about the beats you tested is right on the money because it's what a lot of people said. It's just really bad. But they have since tried to go more mainstream they first made it outrageous to attract a younger audience but now as the company continues and grows they've got to attract a wider audience to do that they've got to get good ratings in the audio magazines to do that they've got to have something that sounds good
19: it's true and they've got devices like uh like parrots uh zik which is you know everybody just just loves those they've they've got device like i said beats reinvigorated this over the ear market before beats came out over the ear headphones were not a big deal a lot of people were focused on inner headphones a lot of people were focused on you know anything but over the ear headphones beats brought all that back and 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 that's the thing like i said uh, like you quoted me earlier i really appreciate that because now there is competition for these dollars and that means that we the listener have more choices than ever before. And a lot of those choices are definitely good. I hope that that these re Beats devices actually sound fantastic. I I would be delighted by that.
1: Well, it may be hard to get a review sample now if they are being acquired by Apple. Apple (laughs) PR will control the release of review products. And it's going to be more difficult to actually get one to look at.
19: That would be true, certainly, if Apple is is, uh, still controlling it. Some of the rumors have said that uh, Beats would remain a standalone company, which sort of made sense. I mean, you know, that that's one of the things I think that people have been trying to wrap their heads around is how would this company fit into Apple? Because this would be an incredibly atypical acquisition for Apple. Well, even by price, it is
1: normally Apple spends tens or hundreds of millions of dollars on something. The biggest transaction was next, which was close to 400 something million dollars would be 651 million dollars in 2014 dollars but here they're talking about 3.2 billion now if you look at the market cap of beats and you look at recent sales it's not really an outrageous price
19: but you have to think here what is apple doing it's not an outrageous price for beats per se the, the I think they have sales of either 1.2 billion or 1.4 billion. I forget off the top of my head. So a little bit more than twice revenue. Yeah, and their their margins are certainly high. Uh, Beats Music has been highly regarded as a streaming service. They don't have a lot of uh, subscribers, but it has been highly regarded. It's possible that Apple wants that technology. You know, usually when Apple buys a company, they're buying technology and they're buying people that they're going to fold into other projects, you know, existing products or or new products that are being developed. With Beats, we have a fully developed and realized uh, headphone product line. That's which is the vast majority of the company's revenues. And then we have some. We do have some technology that Apple might want, but it's it's hard to imagine why they would pay three point two billion dollars for the streaming service. But then again, if they really wanted the streaming service, and they really want Jimmy Iovine, who is the uh, CEO of the company, and you
1: pronounced uh, his name
19: correctly. Thank
1: you. You know, if you look at Wikipedia, they've got it all wrong. What does Wikipedia say? I can't even pronounce it. But you see, I heard an interview with him where he says, my name is Jimmy Iovine. Huh. That's how I
19: learned how to I, do it. I, I think it's easy to look at it and, and think Levine. Right. I think he's Italian, though. So maybe Fair it's
1: Iovini well. or something, but he Americanized it. I don't know.
19: Could be. But if they want him and they want the Beats Music Service, the reality is that if if jimmy said the only way you get me and beats music is if you also buy the headphone business because i don't want to have to mess with it anymore well they've got to pay for it whether or not they leave it as a standalone company or somehow like beats by dre by apple i don't know hey that would get to be a pretty long complicated one. <laughs> we've got
1: yes. brian chaffin joining gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live
7: America's largest independently owned communications network,
1: GCN.
20: Visit the Berkey guy at goberkey.com and be sure to click the red products on sale now button. You can always call toll free 877 886 3653. Again, that's 877 886 3653. Goberkey.com, home of the Berkey guy.
4: I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the Total Transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free.
5: Limited number of free programs available. Call now. 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595. That's 1-888-912-1595. 1-888-912-1595.
12: You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg.
1: Well, I could see because they do that with FileMaker, I could see where Apple would continue to produce Beats headphones the same way they're doing now. It delivers enough revenue to, in a few years, pay for itself. So at the end of the day, Whatever else Apple gets, it may be worth it from a financial point of view. But it's more about Jimmy Iovine and his connections to the music industry, his ability perhaps to negotiate contracts. Remember, there there has been partnerships with Apple and Beats because Jimmy and Steve were good friends.
19: Yeah, supposedly uh, Jimmy Iovine tried to convince Steve Jobs for years to do streaming. Of course, uh, Steve Jobs um, uh, very famously said that people want to own their music. They don't want to rent it. Um, and, and, and at the same time, Jimmy Iovine was one of the first label executives to come on board with iTunes. And according to some reports I've read, he was the guy that was instrumental in bringing over and recruiting for Apple other record label and, and record label executives. And then he also like, deliberately had iPods stuck into very high profile uh, videos that, for, for uh, acts that were on his label. So you know he, he's been a big deal for Apple. He's been a big supporter of Apple. He is in and of himself highly regarded, highly successful, and pretty much a a business powerhouse. The idea of him partnered with, with Eddie Q, that, that would be a very dynamic duo.
1: Well, one story says, and it's been repeated elsewhere, that the contracts Beats Music has with the industry would go by the wayside if they are acquired. I don't know about that because I think any company can be acquired and if they had to redo the music contracts, it would cause a mess. So I don't know. That's not been confirmed. But let's assume the contracts, even if they're renegotiated, continue. So therefore, does Beats Music, offer enough of a difference from itunes radio for example for apple to want that service
19: well it the underlying technology of beats music is different from what itunes radio is doing uh, they have for one thing curated playlists uh, a lot more curated playlists than apple has they also have the support what they claim is the ability to provide appropriate music depending upon your mood and who you're with which of course are things you would have to tell beats music and to be fair i have not used these services yet myself these technologies that the experience that beats music offers is apparently better than the experience that itunes radio has so that might indeed be worth something it could well be Worth something, and and here's here's the here's the biggest thing about the whole Beats story. Now, when the rumor first broke, my reaction was: Here's the rumor. I hope it's not true, and here's why I hope it's not true because I don't get it. The the headphones are are, are no good. Uh, Beats music doesn't seem like it's worth all that much money, and even Jimmy Iovine, as awesome as he is, isn't worth point $3, $3. two billion dollars. The reality, though, is. If this deal happens, it is obvious that Tim Cook knows something or has something in mind that we don't know.
1: Well, it's possibly they've all hatched a plan for the future that maybe Tim Cook is high on. But Iovine says, if you want to have me aboard, you got to buy my company. I can't do everything. He's going to have to give up his position as the head of a record label. He's got this company, which is growing and prospering. And he probably said, "Look, you want me to be part of Apple? You got to bring it all over. And we're making enough money that this is going to pay for itself."
19: That you know, Gina, I, I think you've, I think you've nailed it. I think that that's exactly what's happening. What I, what I don't think is happening is that Apple is breaking form and buying a new revenue stream. I do not think that Apple is doing this deal in order to buy Beats headphones. No,
1: but it's an icing on the cake. It's a revenue stream that they can count on. It's got its own buzz and if that continues it will pay for the transaction on the long haul and it gives apple and iovine the room and the time to do whatever they hope to do maybe
19: right i think that that's that's probably what's going on here and without a doubt this deal is happening there's too much reporting on this there are too many leaks there are too many people talking about this there's you know more than the Dr Gray video where he claims that he's going to be the first billionaire in hip hop there there's just too, this is this is one of those apple rumors where the momentum is showing that this is this is real it's absolutely happening
1: i don't see you know necessarily a problem with the price because we have other companies who have spent far more on less viable acquisitions you know, is WhatsApp really worth how many billions of dollars
19: to Facebook? WhatsApp isn't, the users may be. What's Beats, um, again, the, you know, Apple may have to pay for the headphones, but the acquisition cannot be about the headphones. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think
1: this, like well, you know, we can still argue over its value. But Apple isn't stupid. And Tim Cook is a very smart businessman. He's not going to do something that's going to direct the company. As far as the price, it's chump change. So if it can be justified for whatever reason, we'll see. The key here is if and when it happens. And deals like this, they could be set in stone and not happen. If and when it happens, they're going to make a statement. They're going to say something about what they're going to do. And perhaps that will give us a clue. Now, look at the way the stock market reacted, though. When the news first came out late Thursday, Friday of last week, the stock price went down. This week, it went up slightly. Perhaps Wall Street analysts who don't really know anything about Apple, they decided, you know what? Maybe there's something to it, even if it's taking it on faith that Apple wouldn't do this deal unless it had some value at the
19: other end. Yeah, you know, Tim Cook has yet to make a bad purchase. There is a difference between... Okay, I'm going to try to claim some some uh, uh, intellectual high ground here. To me, there's a difference between saying I don't understand this deal, and this deal is stupid. There's 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 a there's a vast chasm between those two positions, and and uh, saying that this deal is stupid is ignoring Tim Cook's track record.
1: I just hope that this deal isn't consummated and announced after this show is submitted to the network.
6: <laughs> that would enough.
1: be the ultimate irony here. Yeah, uh, it's, tr- it's true. I think we're on safe ground though. Yeah. I think if it happens, it's going to happen early in a week because Apple tends to make announcements early in a week. So it would either be the day after we're doing this or the following week, in which case we're okay. So I'm confident, but we've have an arrangement with Brian That if you hear this and it's outdated, it won't be because he'll have done a new version. They won't have heard this at all. No. And we're restricting it to just two segments. So we'll get into other stuff for the remaining four segments that will have nothing to do with this. So therefore, you won't know anything has changed. Yay! Isn't that amazing? Let me assure you, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, Brian Chaffin has not been sitting there in his office with windows open or closed in Northern California perfecting his imitation of Satya nadella the new microsoft ceo it's true right you
19: gave it up with steve Bomber. i gave it yeah yeah i i i have listen here's my dirty secret i hope that i have reason to trot out take steve Ballmer again but uh but for now for now i'm limiting it to uh, past accomplishments with with steve
1: well you can always do bill gates He's yeah. ever present. He is. I mean, he has the worst looking hair I've ever seen, Bill Gates.
19: Yeah, but you know, man, his, I, I tell you what, I, I, I looked at Bill Gates, I laughed at Bill Gates for decades, but all the work he's done with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has, to me, more than made up for any bit of bad taste he might have shown at, at Microsoft. Um, that man is is an amazing individual.
1: He's basically taken his success and done something important with it. Yes, not just hoard his money like certain people do, not just take his money and spend hundreds of millions of dollars to support the political candidates of his choice.
19: Correct. He's actually trying to help people. Correct, and he's gotten other billionaires to loosen their purse strings too. People like Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, by the way,
1: Warren Buffett from Berkshire Hathaway. He is the guy who owns Geico. Yes. Uh, Okay, so if you think about the gecko, who brought you the gecko, it's Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is the man. Well, he owns the company. It doesn't mean that he's responsible for this advertising shtick, but there you go. Our guest in the second half of the Tech Night Out Live is Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. We've got so much more to talk about, including iPhone 6 speculation. On the Tech Night out Live.
7: A little right, a little left, but always independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network, GCN.
9: The human body is extraordinary.
6: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. Now, the amount of speculation I've seen about an iPhone 6 makes the iPhone 5S speculation pale into insignificance am i wrong
19: uh it's absolutely true the it's it 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 has astounded me just how many stories and 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 like how wide-ranging the stories are about the so-called iphone 6 but there is a consistency
1: about it there really is you know they're all saying now i think almost every rumor says there are two models there's one 4.7 inches the largest iphone ever made and an iphone phablet being the small tablet and the smartphone combined at 5.5 inches have you heard any variation of that
19: well yeah i mean there was initially it was going to be a 4.7 and a 4 and then a 4 and a 5.5 it seems a curious choice for me for apple to completely abandon the four inch uh, form factor after all the four inch form factor uh, iphone outsells phablets uh, in the android ecosystem that's something the that apple haters don't like to uh, to realize
1: well um, also the iphone 5c perceived to be unsuccessful outsells most of the competition as well
19: yeah but that is crazy i don't i don't even i don't even understand i don't even fathom that that particular well, it's a perfectly good phone yeah exactly. exactly no no i don't fathom the, the 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 notion that it is somehow a failure that doesn't jive with uh, or comport with reality. So I, I'm not sure. The, the recent rumors have definitely uh, leaned towards the 4.7 and the 5.5. 5. Uh, I think uh, this week we we had the variation that Apple would somehow release the 4.7 version in August, a month early, and the 5.5 inch version uh, later in September. That would be quite strange, but I suppose that it's Apple's game to change the rules as they see fit.
1: One excuse given is that it's taking longer to finish the 5.5 inch because of display or battery, allegedly. This is all allegedly. Now, the one thing I do see in all the mock-ups that have been displayed, it's thinner, and the corners are more rounded, and the buttons are more squared off. Yeah, what about it? Okay, once we see consistency like that. Yes. Is it that all the rumor sites are just accepting this or is it that the supply chain is finally focusing on the
19: final configuration of the real model? That is usually usually the case. When we start seeing leaked cases and um uh you know leap, leaked form factors, that's usually when this stuff is real. And it's happening. And I think it's what we have here.
1: And part of it is here is that Apple, I guess, has lost control when it comes to the fact that they've got dozens and dozens of suppliers for different components. And it's not as if, well, somebody lets the cat out of the bag. Apple can go to them and say, I guess we'll pick another supplier. It's not that easy. So they have to put up with some of this.
19: Yeah, there are literally millions of hands involved in the making of the iPhone, by the time we get this close to release, Apple does have to start producing the stuff well in advance in order to uh, meet the initial demand, uh, something that, that other companies wish they had to deal with. And um, it, between the I mean, hundreds of companies, actually, that make all the various components and the hundreds of companies that are supplying supplies to the component makers, let alone... The hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people on the manufacturing lines that are actually assembling all this stuff. There are, like I said, literally millions of hands uh, involved in this stuff. And you, you, you just, you can't keep a secret. You, you know, what, 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 what did, um, was it Mark Twain that had the, or two people can keep a secret if one of them's dead or something to that? There's an old aphorism.
1: Well, in the case like this, there are things Apple can keep close to the vest. Usually, if a product is introduced way in advance of release like the Mac Pro, we knew there would be a Mac Pro, but that Mac Pro, I don't think we quite had a full handle on where it was going to (laughs) go. No. But but in the case of the iPhone, by the time everything's nailed down, it's gone through months of prototyping, and there's just so much you can say. Sure, maybe we didn't have all the information about the A7 and the 64-bit and the coprocessor and all like that. We knew there was probably going to be a fingerprint sensor because Apple bought Authentech, the Florida company that had that technology in 2012. So you figured it would turn up.
19: Yeah, absolutely. And that, uh, yeah, well, again, Gene, you just nailed it. Uh, we didn't have all the details on the 5S, but by the time the 5S was released and the 5C was released, we had seen it. We had seen it. You know, we, we were seeing people doing scratch tests in Asia with the 5C uh, two or three months before the, the darn thing was released so i um i think that we are very much at that point what we're seeing with uh the most recent rumors are very likely actual leaks and what we're going to see apple release
1: now there's interesting here an interesting effect there are reports which there are always a few months before a new iphone comes out and some customers are sitting on the sidelines for the new model but in this case you have people who like the fact that samsung has much larger screens they want the larger smartphone but now expecting apple to produce one they won't buy the samsung they'll wait for apple so apple gets a added benefit here if true we assume it probably is and then i start wondering gee is apple planning these leaks to
19: spook samsung
1: (laughs) well Well, you know samsung does a lot of dirty tricks which we'll get into in a moment
19: I, I, I actually, I like that idea. I think that's a, that's a very fun idea. And, to, and w- what, we're, what we've been seeing is that in China, supposedly, uh, competing phones are starting, starting to stack up unsold because folks are waiting to see what Apple releases with the iPhone. Um, you have to realize that with the iPhone, Apple's four-inch display has outsold phablets, even though everyone talks about how awesome phablets are. Now, part of that is because the four-inch form factor is it's a really good one-handed device and it fits in your pocket really easily. But part of it is because there are certainly some people who would rather have that larger screen, but would rather have iOS more. And so they stuck with the iPhone rather than moving over to Android and getting a larger device. So now all of those people can get the larger iPhone and all of the people who bought the larger you know who valued it the other way, where they they like iOS, but they'd rather have the the large screen format. Those people can also come back to the fold. So I think that Apple's going to have a huge hit on its hands with this device. To this to this effect, a, a couple of weeks ago, I wrote a piece saying that Apple haters and the Android community have crowed about their phablets for a long time, as if it was some kind of accomplishment. But that that one. Thing that companies like Samsung and to a lesser extent HTC brought to the market, which is the larger screen device, that one thing that they did that was not what Apple did, that advantage is going to go away as soon as Apple does release a large screen device. So, what what are the Android fanboys going to do then?
1: Well, they can't talk about the fingerprint sensor on the Galaxy S5 because for most people, it doesn't work and it's useless when it does you have to swipe it rather than tap it. Now, let me tell you something here about the iPhone 5S with a Touch ID. I got a cut on my finger right over the fingerprint, so it didn't work for a while. Finally, I sat down, I redid all the fingerprint sensing. And as I speak, it is now 100% because the new software, 7.1.1 of iOS, they've rejiggered, number one, the setup process, Number two, the recognition process in such a way that has become more efficient. Because in the past, I got like 85% results with Touch ID. As of today, I can't think of a single instance in the last couple of weeks where it has failed. That's good. Right. So Apple has made it better. But Samsung releases a feature on there. And obviously, they did it because Apple had a fingerprint sensor. But Authentech was not the only company with that technology. So we assume Samsung has the resources to produce something that really works. But it doesn't. We have more to say about this and other things. We have Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Ally.
9: The human body is extraordinary.
6: We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at Tech That's news at Tech Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at Tech slash radio. That's Tech slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We're talking about
1: the iPhone 6 and the possible iPhone phablet with Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. Brian, I hate the name phablet, don't you?
19: <laughs> you know, the um, uh, managing editor at the Mac Observer, Jeff Gamet, also, it just puts him on tilt. I don't love the word, but it, ha- it, can, it has so much built-in meaning. It conveys everything that you need to say. And for that reason, I think it's a great word. You say "fablet," it conveys everything you need to know.
1: I also wonder about the name that Apple's going to use. Some people say it's going to be called the iPhone Air, being big
19: and very thin. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I could, I could see that. I suppose. Yeah. I, I don't I don't like the name iPhone Air. It doesn't make a lot of sense. The only the only reason it does make sense is to make it match the the iPad uh, lineup. Um uh, So I I don't have I don't I guess I don't have a lot of religion on the naming yet. Well, maybe what we should do is take
1: the iPad Air, shrink it down to 4.7 and 5.5 inch screens, and that's what it's going to look like. A family resemblance. Yeah, could be. But Apple likes thin Also, being larger, even if thinner, we assume Apple wants to have at least the same battery life and probably more. Because right now, one advantage the Samsung Galaxy S5 has is supposedly the battery life is somewhat longer than the iPhone.
19: Supposedly. Supposedly. Uh, Yeah. You know, Apple has usually kept battery life the same or slightly more than the previous generation device while making the device smaller to some degree. That's been Apple's usual track record. And I assume that, that Apple is going to do the same thing uh, here. I, I don't think we're going to get an iPhone with, you know, like, you know, 24 hours of talk time. I don't, I don't think that's going to be Apple's goal.
1: Well, Apple has done things with battery life with the MacBook Air and even the MacBook Pro with Retina display. They both sport battery life far superior to older editions. Correct. So you think Apple probably wants to do something in that fashion and they're going to do all sorts of little tricks there to make them more power efficient.
19: Well, I, I think that if Apple is going to release a large device and, and keep in mind that powering a larger display does require more power, I, I think that Apple's initial goal is probably going to be to offer realistic and reasonable and useful lifespan without without having it way too much i don't think that apple is likely to be focused on dramatically escalating the amount of battery power available in the device initially
1: now one of the things i read about the fablet is the fact that in china in asia people love it because they make it their one and only personal computer they can only afford one device this becomes the aspirational device They don't have a standard desktop computer like the rest of us. So they need something a little bit larger than a smartphone with more display, more features, perhaps more ability to get around, but they don't want to have two different devices and a normal tablet's too large. And that's the philosophy behind the phablet. And Apple really wants to get more market penetration in China. So very likely they'd make this product even if nobody else cared.
19: Correct. from a business strategy standpoint um there's not only nothing wrong but there's everything right with making a device catered toward the chinese market uh the chinese market is huge so uh, i i think that that is certainly possible you know and that's kind of a, a segue to to nfc the most recent rumor
1: well i still think nfc is a solution in search of a problem
19: Well, I think it was in 2012 when Phil Schiller said that NFC wasn't solving any known problems. That's essentially what you just said. And And I haven't heard
1: anything that NFC has gone anywhere, at least in this country.
19: It it hasn't because Apple never supported it. You know, the the one thing the NFC needed was Apple support Um, is, you know, Apple can have a minority market share all at once. But the reality is, is that what. Apple does the rest of the universe, the rest of the the market, whatever industry we're talking about. The rest of the market follows. Apple refusing to support NFC relegated that technology to the realm of, you know, useless scanners, and no one's using anything. But now we have a new rumor that the iPhone six is going to have NFC, and it's again, it's kind of at that stage where it it seems like it actually could be legitimate and. That seems weird to me, but it's coupled with a rumor that Apple has a deal with uh, China Union, which is a, a bank in China, to provide some kind of mobile payment system based on NFC.
1: Well, a deal could make a change. I think part of the problem also is that the technologies for NFC were inconsistent. But let's look at Apple's biggest rival, the company that has most to lose if Apple comes out with larger screen products, and that's Samsung. Now, you mentioned here in one of your columns an article from Vanity Fair, which tells all about Samsung. Now, we know Samsung has lost another one of those intellectual property lawsuits, losing about $120 million to Apple. Now, the perception is, well, Apple wanted $2.2 billion. $120 million, what's that? Well, you add it up. That's a lot of money anyway.
19: Well, it is a lot of money, but these lawsuits were never about money for Apple. Apple, Apple doesn't need money. You know, actually, Apple—the last thing that Apple needs—is—is is more money. What Steve Jobs wanted and what Tim Cook has wanted, uh, according to what they've said publicly, is for other competitors to stop copying Apple's inventions, to stop getting a free ride off of the remarkable. Uh, R and D efforts that Apple undergoes to to figure out how things work and then and then provide a solution that people like. Apple did win another conviction. I mean, you know, clearly Samsung is you know nothing but a copycat. But the the monetary amount that Apple won is is a slap in the wrist for uh, uh, for Samsung and a slap in the face for Apple because it's not even vaguely an impediment to keep Samsung from copying. And and on top of that, Judge Lucy Coe's insistence on making Apple focus on only a few patents at a time has allowed Samsung's attorneys, Quinn Emanuel, to very successfully argue that each given little patent isn't the reason why people buy anything. And it's true. But when you take them as a whole, Samsung's wholesale copying of the Apple experience, and we're going back several years here, is the reason why Samsung was able to even get its foot in the door. It's the forest from the trees argument, and it's
1: something that Judge Co. I think, really messed up on, because if she allowed Apple to focus on the overall picture, yes, it's not the individual patents, it is the consistent plan of Samsung to copy whatever, whatever they can get away with, and not just with Apple, but the fact that this company has a history going through the years of copying the technology for other companies and doing damage, like they copied technology from pioneer which made i guess some of the best flat panel tvs by the time pioneer won everything it was too late they lost their business and gave up the flat panels this is an example of the harm that samsung does we'll have more to say in a moment we have brian chaffin joining us i'm gene
7: steinberg you're in the tech night out live independently leading the way for the nation Compelling talk for every political persuasion we are
1: GCN.
10: Americans have always been ready. To defend, to serve, and to honor those who defended and are defending all of us. So this month, the Freeze-Dry Guy honors and serves Americans with our meat, rice, and potato sale. Our unit includes four number 10 cans of quality Mountain House cooked diced beef, ground beef, diced chicken, white rice, and two cans of FDG dehydrated diced potatoes. 158 servings per case unit. And during the Freeze-Dry Guy's meat, rice, and potato sale, get one case for only $179. Two cases for only three $3.55, or get three cases for only 515, dollars And all come with lots of valuable freebies. For details, click freeze and hurry. Sale ends soon. Go to freeze or call 866-404-3663. That's 866-404-FOOD. Plus, free shipping to the lower 48 states from the Freeze-Dry Guide. The finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage.
13: foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Springtime is save
5: big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know spring is the time to stock up at herbalhealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for spring specials, including our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale choose from herbal healers great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar hootia and metabolic complex and pro metabolic all on sale now also the anti-parasite intestinal freedom and warwood plus complex plus stevia liquid sweetener and the super enzymes all on sale for spring at herbalhealer.com as always we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine enjoy same day shipping and free online newsletter Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and click on Spring Specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988. Herbal
12: Healer Academy. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg.
1: On the Tech Night Out Live with Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer, we're focusing on that piece you summarized from Vanity Fair in the Mac Observer about the way Samsung works. Tell us more about
19: Samsung. So the, the Vanity Fair piece was ostensibly based on uh, the current patent battles between Apple and Samsung. But what they did is they went back and, and they looked at the company's corporate history, which for decades has a track record of stealing uh, IP from other companies, copying it, and using it to gain a foothold in the market. At that point, bringing economies of scale and uh, better manufacturing techniques or whatever to then take significant market share. And then when inevitably they are sued for patent infringement, uh, using a, a strategy of delaying and stalling and you know appeals and, and, and just dragging everything out as long as they possibly can, all the while still selling products and then settling at the last possible second when the companies have been about to get or uh, about to have instituted any kind of import ban on their products. And it's been very successful. Samsung is a huge company. Uh, the article also talked about uh, Samsung's uh, history of corruption and bribery uh, in terms of especially in um south korea itself and in uh, parts of south america where various uh, regulators and or prosecutors and or judges will be bribed and how the company has used bribery to get out of those very same charges it was a fascinating article that just really points out that to me samsung is a is a corporate bottom feeder
1: they're not the only one they do it more blatantly because they have the resources What's so bad, though, is Samsung has the resources to be truly creative if they wanted to invest in
19: it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's hard to be creative, though. It's a lot easier to copy your betters. And that's what Samsung does. They copy their betters. You, know, you look at the smartphone market today. The one thing that Samsung has done uh, better than Apple is introduce devices with larger screens than Apple was, was selling them for. And really, that's the foundation of the company's success. That's about to disappear. What are they going to do next? What are they going to do now? Well, of course, Samsung
1: has problems already. Profits are slipping. Yeah, but they still make plenty of money. They're not doing as well in the higher end of the smartphone
19: market. Most of their success is from cheap junk. Yeah, most of their numbers are from cheap junk. Most of their profits are from the high-end devices. And to be fair, today's Android devices from Samsung bear little resemblance to the iPhone, but this actually is that same strategy that they've used, where their initial success was based on copying the iPhone. They they set out. Uh, Apple showed in court how Samsung sat down with with the iPhone and their phones, and they identified 126 areas in which the iPhone was drastically superior to Samsung's devices. And at this point, Samsung's market share was was insignificant in the smartphone market. They identified these 126 areas where the iPhone was better. They set out to copy as many of them as they could. They got share. They ended up introducing, they ended up, of course, being sued for uh, having devices that looked exactly like Apple's devices, eventually differentiated and, and eventually started doing things like these larger screen devices. But no one would have been paying attention to the products in the first place if they hadn't copied Apple.
1: They use that to get a foothold in the market, but they still have difficulty fine tuning a lot of what they do. Especially the Galaxy S four, for example, was filled with software that barely functioned. The S five has slimmed that down somewhat, but they still have the faulty fingerprint sensor. And when you have the New York Times and Recode, which is the site formerly known as All Things D, when you have these places reviewing this product and saying the fingerprint sensor doesn't work and otherwise eh, Fet is the word in so many words. It's not so great. That doesn't help.
19: Well, Samsung is desperate to be perceived as the innovator that they are not. I mean, they are just obsessed with this notion of, of somehow being Apple's corporate equal. And, and the company isn't. And Apple, you know, it's, it's so funny. Steve Jobs and Tim Cook and other people and, and Johnny Ive has spoken uh, to this a number of uh, occasions. It's not what you say yes to. It's what you say no to that's important that can really set you apart and apple says no to things all the time and i it, it, when you look at samsung's product line in the smartphone market in particular the company doesn't say no to much and they have mistaken features for innovation for innovation like just you know if we if we throw on these features these are things that no one else is doing and therefore this is innovative let It's not the case. You know, you need to actually do stuff that people want to use that actually make a difference in someone's experience.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have to think here, when will Samsung wake up and think, you know what, we've got an ongoing smartphone market that's good. Let's settle with Apple and keep their business for raw components.
19: Well, you know, I mean, I'm not a psychologist. Um, I haven't even played one on TV, but. You know I, I wrote a, I don't know a year and a half ago or so I wrote a piece saying that Samsung has delusions of software relevance. Um, I think that the company is somewhat delusional. I think that that Samsung has mistaken its success for the ability to innovate, and that's that's just not the case so i don't I don't know how you can reconcile. That delusion with actually doing what it what it could do, because as you said, I mean, Samsung has very talented engineers. Samsung has very talented designers. Samsung has enormous wealth and enormous resources. Samsung could be an innovating uh, powerhouse, but they don't seem to know how to do that. And I wish they would. I wish they could give Apple a legitimate run for its money in the innovation department. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? the awesomeness that we would have as consumers if samsung was was just as innovative as apple wouldn't that that would just be awesome that would be fantastic constantly keeping apple on its toes making apple push ever harder that'd be great man
1: well maybe they'll wake up and think of that but that requires the corporate dna being changed it doesn't happen overnight you can't just wake up and say you know what Let's spend $10 billion on being innovative. Let's try to out-innovate Apple. Let's imitate Apple in a different way, which is being as creative as they are. You can't do that overnight. That requires years and years of hard work, spending a lot of money, hitting a lot of dead ends. Apple obviously develops lots of products you'll never see. There are lots of dead ends there. And it's not like throwing darts in a wall and hoping some will hit their target. Apple constantly has to look at the products they're making to decide which will pass muster and which will be delivered.
19: And that's not always a certainty. Let's look at 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 the iWatch as an example. Okay. The iWatch was the big rumor. Everyone's expecting Apple to do something called an iWatch. It's going to be some kind of wearable device. So what does Samsung do? Samsung, again, desperate to, be, desperate to be considered an innovator, releases the Galaxy Gear, which is a product that, that is thought, you know, was conceived well inside the box, and it was an ugly box at that. And uh, it was, you know, just, it was an extension of the smartphone. It was like what everyone at the time thought that a smartwatch might be implemented poorly. And now as we get closer and closer to uh, Apple's release of the iWatch, which I think is going to happen this year, we're seeing more and more rumors. We're seeing that uh, the med tech industry is is starting to freak out because they know that Apple's coming. And and it seems very clear that the iWatch is not going to be a quote unquote smartphone companion. It is going to be a disruptive product in an entirely new industry for Apple, which is the med tech industry. You know monitoring fitness monitoring health um uh and and we don't yet know what else but so while samsung was knee-jerk responding with the galaxy gear apple was actually busy working on something that is going to end up being very disruptive
1: and the thing about it is apple doesn't bring out products that just imitate what's already there we have brian Schaffin of the mac observer i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live
7: Think Alive, the network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network,
1: GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to A2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, A2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code Gene when
10: you check out.
16: Pharmacist Ben Fuchs knows the importance of proper digestion. Make sure you take a look at the Ultimate Enzyme product. They're
11: made with bile salts and fat digestion enzymes and protein digestive enzymes. Not only do the Ultimate Enzymes give you obvious benefits for digestion, but they can also help keep your blood flowing through your circulatory system. As most of you probably know by now, thick, sludgy, clotting blood is a serious risk factor for heart disease and stroke. Clearly, inappropriate and excessive blood clotting is a major health issue, and thick, sludgy blood is not just about heart health either. Sludgy blood can compromise oxygenation and nutrient delivery to all your
13: cells and tissues and organs and ultimately lead to almost any health issue you can name concerned about proper digestion and heart health order ultimate enzymes by calling 866-735-2470 that's 866-735-2470 or on the web at brightsidebend.com that's brightsidebed.com. order today
12: live with gene steinberg it's the tech night owl because you never know what's going to happen next.
1: It's iWatch time, maybe. What would an iWatch be? But consider this. Every time Apple has come up with one of these disruptive products, they weren't necessarily first. Okay? Okay. Like the Macintosh was, wasn't necessarily the first computer with a graphical interface, but arguably the one that lasted and persisted. The iPod wasn't the first music player. There were others. I reviewed some of them. They were awful. Apple solved the problem. They looked at the existing music players and said, this is what's wrong. This is what's wrong. This is what we don't like. They've solved the problem. Here are the pain points. Right. The iPhone, the iPad, tablets, man, tablets they've been making for years. Microsoft has been pushing tablets since the early 2000s. But the only one that really succeed outside maybe some small business models was the iPad, which became a general consumer device. And the one that Samsung also tried to imitate. So with an iWatch, Apple's going to look at this stuff and say, what's wrong with them? I think what's wrong with existing products is the problem that afflicted the original Samsung Galaxy Gear, which is dependence on another device, but not just any device. In that case, I think it only supported two or three models from Samsung. The key here is an iWatch, I think, is going to have to do a lot of its stuff alone. Not that it doesn't work with your smartphone, with your iPhone, and with your iPad, but it has to be able to exist if they weren't there. It can't be a thing where you take your iWatch, you go out, oh, I forgot my iPhone. It can't do anything but maybe show the time. Can't do that. Well, here's, here's
19: what we know. We know that Apple, a couple of years ago, was hiring sensor experts, a lot, a lot of hardware experts dealing with various uh, components that could go into a smartwatch, and, and many of them were health-related. Then in the recent, say, three to six months, we've been getting lots of stories about Apple hiring Medical professionals, chief medical officers for companies in med tech businesses, uh, sleep experts, you know, v- various, various experts that that probably don't have much to do with the physical design of the product, but instead have probably been tasked with developing the platform that this device will become. And on top of that, we have Tim Cook at the t- t- February shareholder meeting. Telling us flat out, the product that we're that that the we're um, developing in Arizona is going to spawn a new ecosystem. So, in other words, this isn't going to be just an extension of the iPhone. It's going to be something that's new with its own apps, its own platform, its own ecosystem. I mean, you know, all the information is there, and yet Samsung again, you know, tried to preemptively strike at the at the so-called iWatch with the Galaxy Gear.
1: Well, the year the iPad came out, you had lots of tablets being announced at the CES. (laughs) And many of them never appeared because after the iPad came out, all they looked at and said, oh, it's just a grown-up iPod Touch.
19: Sure, right. Uh, Yeah, right. And, you know, they were garbage. And and not only that, but to to be fair, they were all running an early version of android that was not only not tablet specific but really wasn't even a great smartphone smartphone uh, operating system so yeah i mean the the (laughs) that ces was was pretty darn funny to be honest
1: well just like this year you're seeing other companies release what they think a smartwatch
19: should be and they're all variations on the pebble yeah the pebble the pebble was like the you know the 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 one that really resonated with uh, consumers. And that's definitely been what people are kind of focused on in part because they didn't have Apple's model to, to go on. And, uh, but I think that, I think that the Apple's device is not going to be like the pebble. I think it's going to be targeting a completely different industry and that that industry is the med tech industry.
1: Well, however it works. I also think Apple is going to make a fashion statement because all the other smartwatches, they look like, what tech nerds would buy. Like, there's this TV science fiction show called Continuum. One of the characters is the computer nerd. He'd buy a pebble or one of these smartwatches. But regular people will look at that and say, no, that's not what I want. They want something that could be considered jewelry. And I'm also, I don't doubt these stories where they suggest that when Apple produces. An iWatch. There will be a normal price version for a couple of three hundred dollars, and there will be a high price version for those who want a Rolex made by
19: Apple. Um, maybe I've wondered how you know there's limited space on the wrist, and the wrist. Tim Cook has said very specifically that he is very interested in in the wrist in terms of uh, in terms of wearable technologies. In other words. He's not interested in glasses. He's not interested in putting something on your head. He's interested in putting something on our wrists. But there's limited space on our wrists. And there is a high-end you're you're a you're a high-end watch fan, right, Gene?
1: Kinda, sorta. I mean, I have a guest watch that I got a few years ago. And it's not high end because it costs less than a hundred dollars.
13: Right. But that's you know, because the, I
1: got it at a big discount at one of these super duper discount stores. The so high-end
19: maybe, yeah. watch market really starts at, you know. 2000 going up to you know a quarter million dollars or more
1: i have a relative who has a rolex but they ran the hard times and had to pawn it ah so that was really sad that 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 happens but i wouldn't recognize a rolex from even close up without looking at the label i don't know anything like that my watch is the chronograph watch with all the dials
19: sure well the high-end watch market is a big market in terms of dollars it's billions and billions of dollars a year but it is not a big market in terms of absolute numbers. This is definitely a market that is targeting the, quite frankly, the growing discrepancy in wealth between the rich and the poor. And uh, especially before the 2008 crisis, the, you know, the, the, the financial crisis, the, 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 the really high end, end of the market, $20,000 and up exploded because there were lots of people looking for ways to conspicuously show their wealth. And having a device like a mechanical watch that is less efficient than a quartz watch, let alone a digital watch, is one way to do so. Plus, they're beautiful pieces of machinery. I'm a a big fan of these devices myself. And uh, long story short, I wonder how much damage... A $600 iWatch or even a $300 iWatch might actually do to the $20,000 watch industry because it could actually do some damage if enough people want to wear that instead of a, 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 instead of a high-end uh, timepiece.
1: Well, again, a high-end timepiece is jewelry. You buy it not because it tells time any better than the $25 watch. It's because it looks better and has this brand
19: prestige like a Rolex it's a rolex the uh, i'm i'm not a person and i can't speak for everybody there are certainly lots of people where that's the case but for me the thing that fascinates me about watches is the fact that it's this this incredibly complex piece of machinery with gears it's 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 a it's it's a love of the machinery versus a love of the affectation um that, that attracts me, but you know we're, all, I don't know, we're all different. Okay. Different.
1: I don't understand it, but I appreciate very well built machinery. Brian Chaffin, please tell our listeners where they can find more of the well built machinery that you write about.
19: <laughs> I write at the Mac Observer. That's macobserver.com. You can find my personal blog at geektells.com, and I'm on Twitter at TMO Brian.
1: Speaking of Twitter, you can find us on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night owl We're Tech Night owl on Twitter. We're really there. We even have updates every day or so when we get around to it. Also, <laughs> you can check out our web portal at technightowl.com. That's technightowl.com. In the process of making the radio site, technightowl.com slash radio, more mobile friendly. Going to come probably by the time you hear this. We oh also have God. another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. How do you like that bump? called the paracast at paracast.com once again that's paracast.com for the wild and woolly stuff that we talk about but we're not going to use a medium to try to call up the ghost of steve jobs and see what he has to say about all this are we no we're not that's probably good brian Shaffin, thanks for joining us on the tech night out
19: live thanks for having me gene